0: Thank you, Brother Dale. I was thinking about that song, I Just Want to Be Where You Are. You know, one day we'll have that privilege. We'll be with him forever, and there'll be no separation or anything like that. And uh, what a great day that will be. I wanted to thank all of you for praying for us. Uh, Man, it seems like the uh, ordeal with Charlotte was two weeks ago, but it was just a few days ago. But thank you for praying for her. I... uh, Just to let you know kind of what we were thinking, uh, all of us in there thought we were losing her. And uh, I don't think I've ever been as uh, scared as I was that particular afternoon in my life. Uh, That's just an ordeal. But she's home now. She's doing good. They're running further tests, and they are awaiting the results of tests and all of that kind of stuff that goes on. But things are uh, much, much, much better than they were, and we praise the Lord for that. Jenny's doing better and her blood counts are up and uh, we're thankful for that and uh, I wanted you all before I post anything to be the first to know I had an echocardiogram on Monday and I looked at it tonight it was on the medical portal that they post things on and uh, they want your ejection fraction to be 50% or above and that's right where mine is so yay you know got a few things that I don't know what they mean that are abnormal but I've never been normal so uh, we won't worry about that unless a doctor calls and says, you know, get over here right away. But uh, anyway, on, uh, on the mend and on the way, we thank you so much for your prayers through all of this uh, kind of stuff. And we really appreciate it. I did have lab work done the other day. And that uh, BNP number that's supposed to be 100 or below, I'm at 600 and... I don't remember what it is. It's still bad. But uh, if that's down from 900-some the last time they did it, which is down from when I was in the hospital. It was several thousand. So move in the right direction. So I don't know uh, exactly what to make of everything except that uh, I can say this with confidence. It's getting better, getting better. And so I uh, appreciate uh, your prayers on all of that. And we'll just hopefully keep moving in the right direction, okay? Let's turn to, uh, in our Bible, to Psalm 9. Psalm 9. How long has it been since you read Psalm 9? This is one of the ones that is not quite as uh, familiar, not quite as off the top of my head as some of the others are. But uh, what a blessing it is. We'll just look at a couple of verses tonight. And what we want to uh, think about as we get ready to uh, read this is that the place to start in anything you do for the Lord... or getting right with the Lord or having the joy of the Lord... you always want to start with your heart. When I was uh, with Dr. Uh, Gorthy, who is a heart specialist... a heart failure specialist at Baptist Hospital... I was talking with him about some things that weren't quite right... that didn't seem to be related to the heart. And his words were, the heart... Is the engine of the body. And whenever the heart is in distress, the brain causes everything else to kind of, that's expendable, to kind of just, you're on hold, you know? And we got to take care of the heart. The heart is the key to everything else that goes on. Well, you know, uh, why does the Bible talk so much about the heart? And we know that when we read about it in the Bible, it's not so much the pump that you have, the physical pump, but it's the real you, the who you are type person. And yet the Bible even says about your spiritual self, your heart, guard your heart, it says in Proverbs, for from it spring the issues of life. In other words, if your heart's not right, nothing else is going to be right. If your heart spiritually is weak, then you're going to be spiritually weak. You got to get things back and you got to get them back and in order. And that's what uh, it seems that we find out in this psalm, the psalm of David, that we're going to look at the first part of it tonight. So go to Psalm 9, verse 1. And David said, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole... And there's the word, with my whole heart. Okay, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works... And I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Okay, we've got some issues that we have to deal with tonight. Just from reading that. What's wrong with us that we don't praise the Lord with our whole heart? How impressed do you think the God who knows everything and knows everything about you, how impressed, how blessed, How pleased do you think he is with half-hearted praise? And yet we do that so many times. Sometimes we praise the Lord just because, well, we're in church and we're supposed to. Sometimes we do it in our home just because we uh, realize that, oh yeah, I'm I'm supposed to give thanks in all things. And so we do it, but we uh, do it half-heartedly. David said, with my whole heart, with my whole heart. How impressed would you be? if a person that you love, somebody that you are, say, married to or in love with, hopefully that would coincide, um, that when they come to you and they bring you ladies, let's say, flowers, and you go, oh, thank you, you didn't have to do that, and they go, well, yeah, I kind of did, it's Valentine's Day. How blessed would you be by that? Well, at least he brought me flowers. Is that what would be on your heart? Or would you be thinking, if you feel that way about it, if it's such a chore and you're only doing it because of the date, you know, keep them. Um, Maybe you wouldn't respond quite that way, but wouldn't it kind of hurt your feelings? Well, think about how many times when we give praise to the Lord and we do it because it's more for us than it is for Him. We don't want the enemy to get us, so we praise the Lord And the Lord said, wait a minute, where do I factor in on any of this? We think about the times when we're told that we ought to be giving praise to the Lord because uh, there was a song years ago that said, we get lifted up when we praise the Lord. Okay, that's fine. Except I wonder sometimes, are we doing it for him or are we doing it for us? And so David kind of calls us to attention to say... In all of the things that you do, being obedient to the Lord, trying to do the right thing, this idea of having your whole heart in it is extremely important. Another thing that I noticed as I was looking through this, you, um, sometimes in church, you kind of have like uh, they'll tell you if you've ever played sports, been on a team or something like that, and the coach will tell you, There is no I in team. What's that mean? You're supposed to sacrifice yourself for the sake of the team. We get all of that. And yet at the same time, there kind of is an I in team. How is that? You want every team member to have practiced during the week. You want them to show up for the team practices. You want them to do what the coach says. You want them to run the right play. How are they going to do that? They have to take the initiative to make sure that they do what is supposed to be done you know spiritually our life is like that as well sometimes we forget that the church is a collection of a body of baptized believers and we are a part of that and we're very privileged to be that way and that is extremely important we are to lose ourselves in the body and in the needs of others Paul said to the Philippians as you well know That we are to um, not look out for our needs only, but for the needs of others, right? Philippians chapter 2. We're to have this mind in us which is in Christ Jesus. Well, Christ Jesus did what he did, not so much for himself, but for us. And we're to think like that. So that's all true. But it kind of falls apart if we don't take to heart what we are supposed to do for ourselves are you strong in the Lord and in the power of his might are you walking with Jesus are you uh, praising the Lord with your whole heart because there's another side of this it says the church is only as strong as its weakest member and so it's not enough to have, well, we've got so-and-so who's, boy, they're a really strong Christian. That's not really the point. What about you? What about your walk? If every member in the church were like you, what would the church be like? That's an important thing to think about. Because David says in here four times, I will, I will, I will, I will. Because it really does come down to what do the individuals within the church do? What do you do? As well as other people. We want to be strong. It boils down to personal responsibility and personal commitment to the things of the Lord, not just leaving it up to someone else. When you... um, Think about what David is saying here to us, these choices that he is making. Notice how they focus not just on the action, but the heart of the matter, we might say. You know, it's too easy to say, well, I'm doing all the right things. I'm going through the motions, we might say, of doing all the right things, and yet not really feel that we're being blessed by the Lord or that we're gaining any ground. There comes a certain part to where you've got to, how would we put it? Okay, like this. Grow up. got to grow up. When you are a little kid and your parents tell you to do something and you don't want to do it, you may have said at least once, maybe only once if your parents were like mine, why do I have to do this? Or why? That kind of thing, right? You know what I heard more than I ever wanted to hear? Because I said so. You had the same parents? Because I said so. That's enough for you right now. Okay? Now, you may not agree with that, but that's the way it was. And my parents did that, and they said, because I said so. Get busy and go do it. And so I had to go do it. Did I always do it with a good attitude? No. Not at all. Did I do it while I was mumbling other under my breath about them? Yes. Yes. And you know what? They didn't care. Long as I got it done. Long as I got it done. I heard one guy that said to his son, You may not love me, but you will obey me. That's pretty stout, isn't it? You may not love me, but you will obey me. Now, my question is, that's okay when you're four, when you're five, maybe. But as you grow older, something ought to start changing. Any amens from some moms and dads? I mean, there comes a certain point to where you don't want your kid doing it just because I'm bigger than you, and you will do this. Who wants to live like that? There comes a certain point where things need to start changing. I'm doing this because I respect you. I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because it's good for the family. I'm doing this because it's what I ought to do. Those are the kind of things that begin to bless a parent. And when you see your children get to you know, maybe a certain age, and I don't know where that age is, It may be more advanced than you would like it, but don't worry about that. It it just it came. It happened. Where all of a sudden you notice that that child, you had to call their attention to something and you had to almost threaten them to get them to do it. All of a sudden you noticed they did it and nobody even asked them. Or maybe you did ask them, but instead of getting the eye roll and all of that, maybe they said, sure, be glad to. And you go, whoa, what happened to this kid? How is this happening? That's a blessing when that happens. Okay. Now, I'll say this. If authority is the only thing that makes you obey God, you just obey Him because you're just afraid not to, it's okay for now. That's okay for now. But I hope you don't stay there. If you're walking with the Lord and everything you do is bound up in Well, if I don't, he's going to bust my britches. I would just simply say to you, it's okay, but you need to grow up. You need to grow up. You need to start anticipating what he wants. You need to start thinking of what a privilege it is to serve him. You need to start thinking of where you would be without the Lord. And let that kind of filter in your mind and focus you upon what it is that you need to do so that you do the right thing with a willing heart, with a joyful heart, with a glad heart and uh, instead of just doing it because you have to. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, pouting while you're doing it. And then wonder why God isn't blessing your life more. Well, I can tell you why. Because you've got a sorry, stinking, bad, immature attitude. Okay. But if that's where you are and if that's what it takes, then so be it. But I would encourage you, I would really encourage you to focus on getting to the point to where you don't have to be motivated by those old things anymore, but you can grow up, okay? Little babies, believe me, little babies are are wonderful, wonderful, and they're cute. I like holding little Charlotte, at least for a while, and, um, you know, holding her there and all of that, but I hope it doesn't last real long. I like them better when they get to be two or three, and you can talk to them, reason with them, tell them to quit it, uh, make up things, uh, rules, and things to play with. They're a whole lot more fun, because nobody wants to have a kid as an infant and have them stay that way for 20 or 30 years. No one really would want that if they grow up to be six foot four and 210 pounds, but they're still an infant. Nobody, nobody aspires to that. That's a sad thing. That's a heartbreaking thing. That's a gut-wrenching thing when something like that happens. And sometimes it does. But we never really want that or pray for that or wish for that or hope for that. We want them to grow up. We want them to be normal in in those ways and to develop normally and all of that type of thing. As I heard an African-American preacher put it one time, a little baby is beautiful But a 25-year-old baby is ugly. And when you think about it, plug that into you. Don't go anywhere else. Just go into you. How are you doing in your spiritual growth and in your spiritual walk? Are you growing? Are you progressing? Are you maturing in the Lord? Because as we read these verses, we find out it's important that you do that. And it's important that you do that. Don't just leave it to somebody else. You, you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. We could probably say a whole lot more, but let's not. Um, Let's go to number one here tonight. Okay? When the heart is right, praise will be natural. When the heart is right, you know when it's difficult to praise the Lord? When the heart's not right. When you have it grown, when you're still a baby when you're not seeing things from a right perspective. And again, that may be fine because when I think about that, let's just go back to Charlotte. Uh, how thankful is Charlotte capable of being right now? Zero. She doesn't even know. She's supposed to be. And you can't explain it. I mean, can you imagine Isaac taking her? Now, Charlotte, it's time for you to learn to be thankful. You've been a little selfish lately. Yeah, you wouldn't do that. It's not time. Now, Emma, different story. Different story. She's old enough to know, and so they tell her you need to say please, you need to say thank you, you need to be grateful. You know, how many times have uh, we heard one of her parents say, you know, what do you say to Grandmama? What do you say to Big G? Now, why do they do that? Is she feeling it yet? Probably not. Not like she should, but she's got to learn. You have to learn how to be thankful. Then you move on up to where Molly is, and it's a whole different level, isn't it? Because she is at the point where she's getting to know and getting to understand those kind of things and knows what she ought to do, and that will progress as they get older. And So we use good manners, we show gratefulness, we show appreciation, all of those kind of things. And how do you know when you've really matured spiritually? Let me give you a clue when it starts coming from the heart, when it's not just the right thing to do, when it's not something you're just prompted to do, when it's not just something you're afraid not to do it, let's, let's grow up, let's, let's move on. It's when it comes to the point to where we feel it, to where we recognize it. It comes to the point to where we are overwhelmed by what God has done for us. Then we know that we are Growing in the Lord. That's why David said that I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. See, everything before then has been... It's been good, and it's been right, and it's been necessary, and it's part of the process, but it hadn't been wholehearted. When do you get to the point of being wholehearted? And that's at the point of maturity. Now, I want you to think about this. Why is it so hard to get to that point when you have been forgiven by God of all of your sin. You know, we don't think about that probably like we ought to. We think more in terms of, well, what has God given me? What has He done for me? Okay, There's, that, those are two signs of immaturity. Am I opposed to God doing something for you? Not at all. Not at all. Am I opposed to Him giving you something? I hope He gives you, you know, more than you know how to handle But that's not where we are supposed to land with all of this. We forget sometimes and we act like two-year-olds. And then we wonder why we're not getting blessed. And so the word again is we need to grow up. We need to grow up. And think about what God has done for you in terms of forgiveness. He sent his only son to be the sacrifice for your wicked, silly, ignorant, stupid, rebellious How much more do we need sin and he has forgiven you of that because of what Christ did for you on the cross and you're going to pout and you don't think he's done anything worthwhile for you. You don't think he has done enough for you. boy. you need to do some serious growing if you're feeling like that. Think about the fact that he has accepted you. It'd be one thing if he just forgave you and then just said, now you're on your own. You better do it right. No, He brought you into His family. He put His Spirit to indwell you. You don't get any better than that. God, the Creator, lives in you and He is never absent from you. And you walk with Him and more importantly, He walks with you even when you are doing the immature thing and Doing your own thing and running away from him. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He walks us through it. He corrects us. He brings us where we need to be. And you're going to whine about anything? You got anything to whine about when you think about who God is and the creator of the universe is with you? This is amazing stuff. You think about the fact that he adopted you. You're not just somebody he puts up with. You have been invited and welcomed into his very own family. And that's an eternal proposition, folks. And God has now made you a part of the family of God. I'm so glad I'm part of the family of God. Washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Hey, there are things that God reveals to you through the scripture that nobody else sees. Why? Because they are, as one preacher put it, family secrets. And you get in on it because you're part of the family. The world doesn't because they're not. But you do. And there are things you're starting to learn, starting to grow in, starting to understand because you're part of the family. You've been adopted into the family. And uh, then think about this. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead. An awful condition to be in. Think about it. Awful. I don't see anybody having a picnic at the cemetery, do you? Maybe somebody, I don't know, but not my first choice. Why do you not do that? Nobody goes out and goes to the funeral home and says... Uh, Uh, Hey, let's have pizza. Where's your embalming room? That's disgusting. Nobody would do that. Why? Death is something we kind of run from. Death is something we cover up. Death is something we don't want to be living with. Can you imagine little uh, fluffy foo-foo dies and uh, you take him down to the taxidermist and have little fluffy foo-foo stuffed and then you keep him there in the living room? I'm sure there are people who do that, but that's not normal. As much as it hurts, you don't live like that. Well, think about what the Bible says about you, dead in trespasses and sins. And what has God done for you? He didn't just stuff you and, uh, you know, have a spiritual taxidermist do something in your life so that you look good and you don't smell bad anymore, but you just are there. He resurrected you. And the resurrection life that you have is not just a uh, resuscitation of the old life. Sometimes they do that, and you know that's kind of a neat thing that they can do it. But God's got something so much better than that for His children. He gives you new life, brand new life. In fact, He gives you His life. If you will think about some uh, Scripture verses here. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins were as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Can you imagine? And the Lord, what is he saying to us? I will take you and I will forgive you completely. Not partially, completely forgiven by the Lord. Isaiah 55 verse 7 also speaks of that. And here's another one to think about. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah, Acts chapter 13 verse 32. It says, therefore, the... Uh, this on the right thing therefore uh, be known O Israel and O house of Israel okay what does he want us to know That the Lord your God he has done amazing things for you by fixing this to where you can actually be forgiven by the Lord and so when we read these words and we think about what he has done for us and we think about the forgiveness, he uses that word in here and it tells us that in this forgiveness that something has happened. He has washed us clean by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and he has overcome everything that we have been enslaved by. And that in doing all of this, that we have been justified and we've been justified by his blood. And uh, think about what all that means to be justified and to be cleansed and to be in a a right relationship with God. We're not just faking it anymore. We're not just hoping for the best anymore. This is something that God has actually done for us. You are totally forgiven by the Lord. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, it says um, that uh, to him all uh, forgiveness and all of the things that he has wanted to do for us have been done through the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ and by his righteousness that comes in uh, the grace of God. And uh, we think about what he has done for us in that grace. And we think about how kind he is. We think about how involved he is in our life. We think about how um, he has done something that we would never even know to ask for. And yet he has done that for us. And he does it completely for all of us. All of our sins are washed away. And in... um, Acts chapter 18, verse 10 uh, through 34, he talks about the same thing. And he says that uh, with all of this, with the cleansing and with the right relationship that we have with God, that all of this happens so that we can give glory and honor to the Lord. And we forget to say thank you for any of that. We sometimes have the idea... That uh, what God has done for us in terms of our thanksgiving, uh, you know, that's just the ABCs, it's no big deal. Until you stop and think about what a big, 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 big deal it really is. And what He has really done for us. And how gracious He has been to give us all of that in the uh, Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, also, uh, you can read that in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 86, verse 5, and um, just think about who He is and what He has done for us. And um, think about this. When you are confused, when you are feeling um, to where you are not quite right with the Lord, and yet He has said that He has forgiven you, And if you will confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And uh, that your sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. Just think about this for a moment. Are you thinking about something that God has forgotten about? And so the Lord says, I want you to think about what he has done and who he is and to give praise and glory for all of that. Number two, think about the fact that um, when praise is genuine, then uh, talking about the Lord is not a big deal. It's not hard. It's normal, in fact. You know, people say, well, I just have a hard time witnessing to the Lord. I have a hard time... uh, being what I ought to be for the Lord and and walking with Him and uh, telling other people about Him. Well, what is it that keeps us from doing that? Well, this is what the second part that David talks about is. That if you are walking with the Lord and that you are genuine with the Lord and you are talking to the Lord because of what He has done for you, then there is a natural Um, I guess you would say a a beauty that comes out of that. There is a natural um, forgiveness to all of that. There is a natural, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're looking for something that is um, available. We're looking for something that is good. We're looking for something that is uh, talking to other people about us instead of just simply saying, you know, well, I'm, I'm a part of the body of Christ and I'm a part of whoever God is, but it's really not that big a deal until you stop and you think about it. That ought to be the most normal thing that you would ever think about. And that's what David said. He is talking about us as we begin to speak to the Lord and speak about the Lord. And we think about how the Lord is, um, well, think about all that He has done for us and think of all that He is engaged in and think about the, uh, the uh, fact that He has done something about our guilt. Think about how He has done something to our sin. Think about how He has done something to uh, all of the darkness and the death and everything that we have been a part of because uh, that's who he is and he is going to change all of that and he's going to forgive that and he makes life a whole lot better because we are not just simply doing the right thing and hating every bit of it but our life our whole life has been changed and so we are to think about that and we are to show that as we begin to speak about with the Lord with the Lord and everything that he does and uh, John chapter 9, verse 24, uh, it it talks about the uh, very fact that, so the Lord will, um, uh, the the second, the one that we have been uh, able to uh, talk about has not been the same thing that um, maybe we would do in terms of, again, being just a little child or being somebody that is not really all of that... um, we ought to really be in everything. I'm going to stop. I don't know what's going on, but I'm having more trouble with this and I am having. We'll try this again, okay? And we'll just do that. I don't know uh, what is going on, but I'm having some real trouble here. So anyway, uh, I'm going to go sit back in my office and kind of get things uh, clued out. And uh, I'm just having some real trouble on that. Thank you for doing that and uh, appreciate you praying for me, okay?